0: All right, well, good afternoon, and welcome to everyone who is watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call interview series. I am Will Driscoll, the executive director here at the Hall of Fame. And as always, I'm happy to bring you a new and exciting episode of Hall Call. Well, before we get started, I'd like to thank all of our Hall of Fame partners that allow us to bring you programs like Hall Call, Priority Automotive, the Beck Foundation, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, White Claw Hard Seltzer, the City of Virginia Beach. ESPN Radio 94.1, Hamilton's Realty, and Davis Business Appraisers. We thank everybody for their support uh, for this and other events coming up. And and speaking of other events coming up, uh, as we sit here today, we are 81 days away from our 2023 induction. And if you've been following us on any form of social media, uh, you will also know that this will be the 50th induction events in Virginia Sports Hall of Fame history. So definitely a, a big year coming up. Well, today we continue our induction discussion with one of our incoming inductees as part of the class of 2023, Jerry Ratcliffe. A fixture in Central Virginia sports media, Jerry has been covering athletics in the Charlottesville area for more than four decades with the Daily Progress, where he was a columnist and sports editor, and now through his own website, jerryratcliffe.com. He's covered all types of major sporting events, but what he is best known for is his extensive coverage of University of Virginia Athletics and the Atlantic Coast Conference, the four-time Virginia Sports Writer of the Year and winner of over 80 writing awards. Jerry will add Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee to his resume this coming April. So Jerry, now that I got all that out of the way, thanks for joining (laughs) us today.
1: (laughs) It's my pleasure, Will. Um uh i'm very humbled by the honor and uh i was speechless and for those people that know me for me to be speechless uh that's a that's a big deal <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you you can be speechless but usually you're you're more of the written word kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well you can follow jerry on twitter at jerry ratcliffe all one word of course i mentioned his site which is Uh, which has everything you need on uva athletics jerryratcliffe.com obviously if you have any questions this is on facebook live so feel free to put them up on the stream and and we'll try to get them over to jerry but you know let's go ahead and just kind of jump right into it um what was your gateway into sports media i i I mentioned you've been doing this for i say over four decades but probably closer to five at this point but what was the what was the hook into the sports media world for you
1: when you were younger uh it was kind of crazy will uh I originally wanted to be a a football coach and um, that's where my efforts were directed initially. And um, one day, my, uh, my hometown uh, sports editor, a guy named J.R. Schrader, who was a one man sports department um, needed some help and came to me and uh, during a spring break and said, uh, would you be interested in covering a track meet for me? He said, I need some help. And, i said well i i don't know how to cover a track meet i have no idea and he said well you you know sports you ran track uh right and i said yeah he said well you're you're in college you know how to write right <laughs> and i said yeah <laughs> he said well uh give it a try and so i I covered the track meet uh, apparently uh did a fairly decent job and he uh invited me to do more stuff and uh I guess, uh, the newsprint got in my blood at that, at that time. And it's been in ever since, but, uh, that was the hook will. And, uh, I went on and covered, uh, Virginia tech, uh, sports and, and high school athletics in the new river Valley of Virginia and Roanoke Valley and, um, uh, became interested. I realized that uh, Winston-Salem wasn't that far away from where I lived and, uh, so uh, me and another guy started covering some Wake Forest stuff and that introduced me into the ACC and got to know a lot of ACC people. And uh, it, everything just blossomed from there.
0: What position would you have coached
1: in football? Uh, it's a good question. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was a wide receiver and, uh, and a defensive end in high school uh, primarily. So probably one of those spots, although I always wanted to be a running back. My coach never would give me a a try at that, but uh uh, I wanted to be a head coach, so I I, you know maybe I would have coached them all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh so you mentioned that your first your the first event you covered was a track event. Uh do you remember the first column that you wrote?
1: Uh I uh it might have been and and this was this was wild. Some people said I probably should have quit while I was ahead. Uh, my first interview of a college uh, coach of any kind, believe it or not, was Bear Bryant. Um, Alabama was coming to play Virginia Tech, and uh, I had never covered a college game. I, at that point, I had only covered high school, and um, the publisher of our paper, a guy named Dan Rooker, uh, had been covering Virginia Tech uh, for our paper. and. One day he walked by my desk and flipped uh, the press pass down on my desk and said, you might want to cover that this week. And uh, I I didn't know how to react to that. And so I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I guess I'll do it right. And I I called the University of Alabama's uh, football office and requested (laughs) an interview with uh, Coach Bryant, not knowing any better, um, being a dumb rookie and uh my friends, uh a day went by, I didn't hear anything. My friends were laughing at me, saying, You bad Bryant's not gonna call you back. He's you're from a rinky dink paper, he doesn't know who you are. And the next morning I got a call and it said, uh, Mr. Ratcliffe, uh, please stay on, please hold uh for Coach Bryant. And uh it was his secretary. <laughs> and uh uh I was kind of uh aghast at the whole thing and uh, on the other end in a couple of seconds was uh, that uh, unmistakable deep gravelly uh, voice of coach Bryant and um, he was gracious enough to give me about a 10 or 15 minute interview and uh, I wrote a column from there so that that may have actually been my first column and and I probably should have Quit while i was ahead <laughs> that that
0: had to be the news of the day bear bryant's alabama coming up to virginia to play virginia tech was that was that game at uh, on campus at virginia tech or was that a neutral site game
1: no that was at lane stadium and uh, i remember it rained all uh, for a couple of days and uh it was raining that morning and uh i'll, I'll never forget the alabama cheerleaders came out onto the field and unfurled a, uh, uh, I guess, a a long, uh, I don't know what you would call it. It was a long sign. It was probably 20 feet long, and it said uh, the bear walks on water and uh, predicted that the rain would stop. And sure enough, about a half hour before game time, that stopped raining, and uh, and the bear did walk on water that day and and won the game as uh, one of his many – um i guess 600 plus games that he won
0: i was gonna say i, I consider myself a, a little bit of a sports historian and i was going to only assume that alabama ended up winning because i don't remember reading about a virginia tech win <laughs> over bear <laughs> brian all those years ago so, yeah, so you so you kind of answered that question for me there <laughs> uh you know i've mentioned that you you covered uva athletics extensively for many many years but part of the upcoming class actually features two UVA sports legends that that you've covered, um, I'm sure, ad nauseum, and Sean Moore from UVA football and Ryan Zimmerman uh, from Virginia baseball. What do you remember about their days on campus in Charlottesville?
1: Well, uh, let's start with Sean since he was the first, and um, that was in the uh, mid-'80s. And he was a uh, highly successful quarterback at Martinsville High School and – uh, he was exactly the kind of quarterback that George Welsh needed to kind of kickstart the offense that he wanted to put together at Virginia and uh, take them from a, an average program to a, a really good football program. And uh, later George would go on to say he was the exact guy at the right time at the, exactly the right time for Virginia football. Uh, Sean was uh, really underrated I think uh, in the in college football, uh although he did finish in the top five or six in the Heisman voting that year, uh his senior year um, when he and Herman Moore, his wide receiver from nearby danville uh split up some of the Heisman vote, they were both finished in the top eight of the Heisman voting and if, had it just been one of them, who knows but um they led the nation in uh Pass uh, in, in the passing game, uh, quarterback and receiver in terms of uh, one quarterback to one receiver. And I think they led the nation in just about every passing category that year in 1989, 90. Uh, but uh, Sean was, uh, he could do it all. Uh, he could run with football. Uh, he was a really good passer. He was a uh, just a really good field general, a good leader. Uh, he really knew how to get the most out of his teammates and um, George would go on to say that that was the the most uh, was the best offense one of the two best offenses he ever coached probably the best the other one was uh, at Penn State when he was running backs coach with uh, Franco Harris and Lydell Mitchell in the same backfield and uh, I think John Huffnagel was the quarterback but uh, uh Sean was so, uh, football savvy, had such a high football IQ. They, they ran, uh, uh, the I formation, they ran some pro set, they ran some wishbone, they ran some pistol. Uh, they had a little bit of everything in there and people just couldn't stop it. They put up just incredible yardage and incredible points that season on their way to number one in the nation, uh, over a, three or four weeks span. And uh Sean ended up getting hurt uh late in the season. But uh he was a guy who could do it all. And uh he still uh he held most of those passing records and for a long and total offense records for a long time at Virginia until uh, Matt Schaub and Bryce Perkins and, and uh and uh came
0: before up. before you answer about Ryan Zimmerman you you've hit on something and, you know, you mentioned a, a couple of other uh, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductees and Coach Coach Welsh and Herman Moore. But you, what, what really stuck out to me was Coach Welsh saying that uh, Sean was the most important recruit if, or, or the, something similar to the, the right recruit at the right time for the program. Did he ever expand upon that, that statement and give you like reasoning as to why Sean was such an important recruit to the program?
1: I think a couple of reasons. I think one, because he was so versatile that uh, he was a, a great runner when, when they put in uh, wishbone plays or when things broke down, Virginia's offense uh, didn't miss a lick. In fact, it was probably more dangerous because he was the guy, kind of guy that could pick up a lot of yardage on the run. Uh, and he was a great passer. He Not only did he have great touch and could throw the short and mid-range passes and attack people underneath their coverages, but – he was a great, a great deep ball thrower too. And, and Herman was the perfect receiver. Uh, even though Herman wasn't the fastest guy in the world, he could get open and he had such long strides. It was deceiving because he could always, uh, get behind the, the offense, the defense. And, uh, he was a state jump, uh, champion, a uh, high jumper, seven foot high jumper. And so anything you threw up, Herman could go up and get it. And, uh, Sean was really smart about that and knew how to use that to his advantage. and And also, uh, the fact that you could get a guy like that that was so highly sought after to come to Virginia uh, was kind of a recruiting breakthrough in the state, which was a huge thing for Virginia, too, because that led to more people like Herman Moore and Terry Kirby and Chris Slade and uh, uh, the barber twins and and more and more and more guys like that uh, that just helped. Virginia's football program grow. I, I think that's why he was such a key recruit for George.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you just mentioned a lot of those names and a lot of those names are are enshrined here in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. And there's another dozen or so that that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, But speaking of another one who will be uh, enshrined this year, and that's Ryan Zimmerman and and baseball and Virginia's baseball legacy. um, It's got a little bit of history, but really in the last two decades is really when they've taken that next step And, and I say it does have history beyond that because we have Mike coverage who was inducted into the Hall of Fame last year and Mike was in the inaugural class for the Virginia baseball hall of fame. And so there there is that history, but really over this last decade, two decades, you've seen them on the national stage with the college world series, winning a national championship. You know, how integral was Ryan and and his success at the university and then subsequent classes after him to that success?
1: Uh, I think he was definitely a key for Brian O'Connor. Um, Mike Hubbage and, and, and a few guys like him, although there weren't many like Mike, he was <laughs> a hell of a player. Uh, they they kind of kept the, the program alive, uh, although they had some of the worst facilities in the ACC, if, if not the whole country. Uh, they were able to overcome that just by with some talent that they had. And Jim West, the, the great coach that was there for so long uh, but when they uh, built the new stadium and brought in Brian O'Connor from Notre Dame, uh, they got real serious about baseball and tried to take things to another level and they needed recruits to do so. And uh, Dennis Womack had recruited Ryan on, on his way out of the program, I guess. And uh, because they they identified him as a guy, a game changer, a guy who could change the program around and help take it to a new level. And the way he performed here, along with guys like Mark Reynolds and, and some others, um, did uh, they did take it to another level? They started winning big time, and uh, recruits started noticing. And Brian O'Connor was. Uh, a really intelligent guy when it came to recruiting, and realized that if he could build this Virginia program to uh, the status that he eventually did, that he could kind of own the the whole Virginia to Northeast recruiting corridor because there weren't or there wasn't another program really to rival that kind of success in that region. And so uh, Zimmerman was one of the guys that helped put Virginia baseball on the map in that respect and helped take it to another level and uh, showing recruits that they could come here and, and not only win at the college level, but be successful in major league baseball and which Ryan uh, unmistakably did. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm, I'm not trying to, to age or, or to age Ryan, but that was almost two decades ago when he came yeah. to this in Charlottesville. And then we're seeing that success continue to this, to this day. Um, you know we we just mentioned football, and we mentioned baseball, but UVA athletics, top to bottom is is one of the more successful overall athletics programs in the country. How were they able to spread that success to so many programs? And you know you've been covering them for so long. I just kind of wanted to get your your insight into how have they been able to be so good for so long at so many different sports?
1: I think you, you got to give some of that credit to Craig Littlepage, the former athletic director. He, um, early on in his uh, reign, I guess, and he was here for, uh, I think, 15, to more, 15, 16, 17, 18 years as the AD, which is an incredible length of time for an AD in, in today's college athletics. Uh, early on in his career, he uh, put together a plan and uh, along with his associate, John Oliver, and they wanted Virginia to be the Stanford of the East. Um, I don't know if they quite got to that point because Stanford has unparalleled success in its overall athletic program. But Virginia certainly uh, has done a great job in in building uh, a complete athletic department. And they, uh, they wanted to win um, not just ACC titles, but national titles in a lot of areas, a lot of sports, and they've done so uh they're one of the ACC's most successful programs um complete athletic programs uh sits diversity throughout so many i think they have 23 24 varsity sports which is is a lot mm-hmm. and uh they've poured a lot of money into facilities and into uh scholarship funding and and uh, everything that necessary and hired really good coaches uh, in so many of those sports uh will and uh, uh their trophy cases are, are are filled over there with uh with the results uh before I left the newspaper business i I had a, a idea one year to to write a story about that and um we got Craig deposed with all the uh, national championship trophies that they had captured, and uh it took up the whole photograph of their <laughs> Swimming, baseball, uh, lacrosse, tennis, uh, basketball, baseball, uh, so many sports, uh, rowing, um, it, it just you could go on and on. And uh, we wrote about that success, and it was, it was pretty neat. Uh, there was not a whole lot of programs in the country that have had that kind of success over the past 20 years. And, uh, again, I, I think you got to give Craig a lot of credit for, for building that program to what it is now.
0: Yeah, we're, we're certainly blessed in this state to have the quality across multiple sports, not just a couple. When I say multiple, it's across dozens of sports that have uh, top-level success, and there's plenty. I see a bunch of people uh, watching right now, so for those who are joining us, we're talking to t- uh, 2023 Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee uh, Jerry Ratcliffe. And- you know, Jerry, just kind of talking about the landscape of college sports, um, it is changing dramatically, and I'm sure it's changed dramatically from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but it seems like every day it's a, the goalposts continue to move, for, for lack of a better term. Where do you see college athletics in the next five to 10 years, and, and could we be looking at a scenario where the NCAA doesn't exist or doesn't exist in its current form?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're right, Will, and it has changed dramatically, and particularly over the last couple of years. And it, it's kind of it's kind of frightening, uh, I think, in a way, because I, I feel like that the the people who oversee college athletics have kind of lost control. Um, and I just I, I really hope that there's some way they can get a handle on it. I don't know if they have to go to Congress to uh, Find some way to, to get things under control, but I I, th- I think they're I think they're ruining amateurism and and ruining the college game at least on the f- football uh, division one FBS level um, and basketball to some degree because of the transfer portal, which I think they're trying to get a grip on. Uh, looks like they're trying to get some uniformity with that, and and maybe stop some of this where you can just transfer is multiple times within a time was within a small time frame we've got guys that are playing for three or four colleges um, that just seems bizarre to me i mean it's, it's like the old the old days uh, uh i interviewed a guy that played in the uh early 50s uh it played at Virginia and I think he played at Notre Dame and Prince, Princeton and maybe somewhere else <laughs> during that time which just seemed insane to me but apparently that happened back a little uh, back in those days a little bit it's happening all over again and um, I think they're trying to get a grip on that uh, the NIL I think has made things like the old uh, wild wild west uh, where there are seemingly
0: you mean the the old southwest
1: conference (laughs) (laughs) that too (laughs) that too (laughs) we saw what happened to the old southwest conference because of that it blew up uh because everybody turned each other in for cheating um uh, it just seems out of control to me will that uh you know a guy one school can get uh an nil worth a million dollars to play one year uh There were rumors out of North Carolina that uh, certain schools were offering their quarterback, Drake May, $5 million to transfer to their school. Um, (laughs) I just got a a text from somebody, Will, that said that they – can I marry the guy that's interviewing you, but I'm, uh, I think Will is taken. I, I am. I am taken
0: very happily, just for the record.
1: You're making quite an impression out there.
0: Yeah. Well, good. I mean, that, hey, listen, whatever works, right. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get you, I'll give you one more difficult question and then we'll get back to some fun stuff. But okay. is there a scenario talking about the landscape, the, the changing landscape in college athletics that where the University of Virginia is not a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference?
1: Well, uh, I think that's yet to be determined. I I hope that's not the case because I'm one of those guys uh, of the millions out there who grew up in the ACC footprint when it was a smaller conference and uh, a very intimate uh, kind of family atmosphere conference. Uh, sailing with a pilot. I I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, but that used to be the theme song of ACC basketball. Um, A lot of people will know what I'm talking about out there, but um, I I fear that the the way things are heading, people are predicting that someday there will be only two super conferences. And uh, if that's the case, then the entire ACC will be uh, gobbled up by those two leagues, and it'll be more like the NFL, the NFC, and the AFC, and you'll belong to one division or or the other. And um, I, I hope that's ca- not the case because I think it's I think it's sad now what's happened because of all the rivalries that have died and um, the intimacy. That we used to have uh again the acc used to be a family as atmosphere kind of deal it's more of a cold corporate atmosphere now i think uh everything's business bottom line dollar bill and uh, i hope that the greed um uh, stops at some point because uh, i just i can't imagine the acc disappearing and, and just being part of a, a, a mega conference somewhere but uh, I'm fearful that that may happen if if, if things don't get under control uh, sometime within the next five or six years before all the contracts expire and they start uh, looking at, at, at other options. Yeah, you
0: know, we as a Temple alum, we're seeing it too. You know, Temple has switched from the old A10, which was a great basketball league, and now we're kind of in the purgatory of the American and Big Five basketball, which used to be so such a, a big part of the Philadelphia landscape. Yeah. Is, it's still there, but it, it just isn't the same because the rivalries aren't there. But let, let's let's leave all the, the 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 foresight behind and and hope that these things are just talking points and nothing that's actually going to happen. But in addition to all of your media experience that I mentioned with The Daily Progress, with JerryRatcliffe.com, which is still active. So please, please go to JerryRatcliffe.com, read up on everything that he's working on right now. You've also authored or co-authored multiple books, namely Team of Destiny Inside Virginia Basketball's run to the 2019 National Championship, which you co-authored with uh, Zach Pirellis and Scott German of the Augusta Free Press. And Scott, it actually just popped up on the uh, on the feed. And also the Graham, university yeah. also the University of Virginia football vault, the history of the Cavaliers. But let's start with the 2019 national champion uh, Virginia men's basketball. Even as a writer, could you have envisioned that script playing out the way it did?
1: Uh no, I don't think anybody could <laughs> it was. I mean, I've seen a lot of bizarre things happen in my time in, in college athletics. Um uh the 1984 team for virginia for example making it to the final four when they were uh, a really bad regular season basketball team the year after ralph uh nobody thought they would go anywhere and and uh, and they thought that they thought they were going to the nit after that tournament, after the acc tournament um and they ended up in the final four and and with a couple of bricks could have possibly won the whole thing uh Virginia going to number one in football in 1990. Uh, nobody could have ever envisioned that. Uh, even George Welsh, the author of that incredible run. But uh, the 2019 team, uh, I thought they were Final Four worthy because they had the ingredients. They had the great personnel, uh, not a lot of flaws on that team, and incredible coaching. Um, But to do what they did, um, that incredible last minute uh, of regulation against Purdue in the Elite Eight with uh, Kihei Clark making the the incredible pass to Mamadi Diakite to tie the game and send it into overtime and then beat uh, Carson Edwards and that incredible Purdue team and make it to the Final Four. uh, And then... The odds of of what happened against Auburn at the end and Texas Tech at the end—they uh, they played so many tight games in that tournament um, and found miraculous ways to win them all. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody could have ever predicted that. I, I mean, yeah, people could have said, "Yeah, we're going to win the national championship," but a few. Had been laid out the script in in advance. You would say this is the kind of stuff that even Hollywood couldn't dream up. Uh, so the uh, that was uh, that was one of the most miraculous things I've ever been a part of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a yin and yang from year to year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the UMBC game to then lifting the national championship trophy. That I, I think Hollywood was envious of uh, of that storyline. But talking about the UVA football vault, we've already talked a little bit about football and some of the names, but covering the program for a long time and seeing so many of these great players, as I mentioned, many of them who are inducted into the Hall of Fame, beginning with Jim Dombrowski through Coach Welsh, through the Herman and Sean Moore now, Anthony Poindexter, the Barber Brothers. Um, If you were doing word association, what players or team come to mind when you hear UVA football?
1: Wow, um, probably a few of them. Probably the the one that really comes to mind uh, first is is obviously obviously the 1990 team that that rose to number one, um, and we knew that it was going to be a good football team. Probably the best offense uh, that I have ever covered. Uh, one of the best ones I've ever seen because it was so complete. Uh, the defense wasn't the greatest in the world that year um and and George knew that but they tried to disguise it but um that that was one the the 89 team the year before that was pretty darn good it's the only team in UVA history that ever won 10 games believe it or not and um uh the 95 team which upset Florida State uh stopped Florida State's great run in the ACC uh and lost last second games at Texas and at Michigan Uh, then came back and uh, beat Georgia in the waning moments of the Peach Bowl. Uh, What an incredible season that was. Uh, The 1984 team, which was the first bowl team in UVA history with guys like Dombrowski and Barry Word and Don Mikowski and uh, Howard Petty and and so many uh, other great players on that roster. Um, A lot of people never thought Virginia would ever play in a bowl game and um you know there's been some others that were they're really cool uh the 96 team the 98 team was really good with Aaron Brooks and some of those guys um the 2019 team which uh kind of brought Virginia back into a little bit of prominence with Bronco Mendenhall and Bryce Perkins making it to the Orange Bowl um those were just a few and then uh uh, doing that book on Virginia history I, it's something I didn't know about and a lot of Virginia fans probably still to this day don't know about I, I just finished a documentary with the ACC network and, and Raycom um, on Virginia's early traditions and Virginia was the football power of the south uh, when the game first began in the late 1800s and early 1900s up until World War I they kind of dominated Southern football, like Alabama has done uh, for so many years, and were champions of the South. Uh, they had a great influence on Southern football. Uh, a lot of uh, teams in the South were envious, and uh, they used the Virginia model of um, football. Excuse me, football to um, to actually improve their education systems in high school because they saw that Virginia was attracting really good male athletes to play football. And to do that, they had to do well academically in high school. And so they used that as a lure throughout the entire South to get uh, male students interested in academics. And uh, and uh, also Virginia kind of saved football because when there were a lot of deaths from football in the early 1900s, because it was such a brutal game, uh, there were calls to ban football throughout the United States. And um, they actually appointed uh, the Virginia AD, William Lambeth, and the football coach at that time at Virginia to ex- do some experiments with rules to make it a safer game. And to uh, they added the, the quarters concept a halftime, um, all sorts of things to make it a better and safer game and kind of saved football. And and they're using most of those rules today. So um, Virginia has a rich tradition in football that a lot of America isn't, and even its own fans really aren't aware of.
0: It's so true that you learn something new every day, because that is something that that I did not know. And so now I got some reading and maybe find a little documentary to, to go learn more about that. Um, We just got a, a couple more minutes here, but, you know, longevity in sports media is uh, is not something that is easy to obtain, and and you clearly have have uh, accrued that over time. But how have you been able to navigate almost five decades covering uh, covering sports in the media, going from print and now to digital? Um, what what has kind of been the thing that just keeps you going? You know, to continue doing this work.
1: Well, through an old friend who's uh, uh, dearly departed. Um, uh, he was really good friends with um, with Joe Gibbs, the the Hall of Fame Redskins coach, which I covered the Redskins on and off over sixteen years. And uh, Joe Gibbs once gave me a uh, a calling card of his, a business card, and it had a picture of a dinosaur on it, and it said, uh, "Adapt or die," and so. <laughs> I think I've had to do that, and and um, being at a, uh, I guess, a uh, s- smallish-sized newspaper, even though I had chances to leave and, and work for much larger papers, I chose not to, um, you had to adjust a lot because there were so many transformations of management and management philosophies and uh, all sorts of things. and. I didn't have the budget to hire uh, a lot of experienced people, so I had to hire a lot of kids coming right out of college and worked with a lot of young people, and they helped keep me young as well. so um, I think all that um, helped you adapt and uh, and then the, the, it was a real challenge kind of reinventing myself to the digital market and learning. Uh, the business side of things, the advertising side of things, which I can't say that I really care for that part of it, but you (laughs) got to do it. Um, But uh, you have to uh, challenge yourself and study and go out and learn new things and stay on top of uh, trends and and things that perhaps you never thought you would ever be involved with and probably didn't have much desire to be involved with. And and I think some of it too is... uh, You just got to have a a lot of mental discipline to uh, continue with the grind. Because I remember Bill Millsaps, uh, the great uh, was one of my great mentors and a member of your Hall of Fame, the great sports editor from the Richmond Times Dispatch, uh, who once told me, uh, "I said, when when do you know when you've had enough?" And and because he got out of sports and went to the uh, news side of the business he said, uh, my nickname's Hootie, he said, Hootie, one of these days you'll go to a game and you'll say, I've seen this same game a thousand times, and enough is enough, and uh, I I think I probably did do that some years ago, but uh, uh, you you just have to uh, consider it is what it is, and uh, just stack that up to experience, and accept that it's, it's just part of the career, and I've known a lot of guys uh, who grew old in this business and uh, retired, sort of died with their boots on. So I, I guess I'm, I'm guess I'm one of those guys.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's it, it, the, the career speaks for itself. Um, next time we talk to you, though, we'll we'll dive into search engine optimization and social media metrics, impressions, <laughs> things like that. How does that sound?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm very familiar with all that, and uh, something I never thought that I would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, it's
0: uh, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. We know this is a, an extremely busy time with college hoop season that's almost descending into madness, literally, uh, with March Madness and the tournament coming right up around the corner. So, thank you for taking a little bit of time to join us today and uh, and look ahead to the induction.
1: Well, thank you, and and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank all the Virginia coaches and other coaches in the ACC that I've worked with over the years who have been. Uh, really good to me and, and great to work with. Or, or maybe I wouldn't have made it this long if I didn't have great relationships with them and uh, people like you. Will so thank you uh, again. I'm so humbled and honored, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for uh, our relationship.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, relationships are key, and I think that goes for for every facet of life and business and uh, and and everything. So. Once again, uh, you can read up on all things UVA athletics on Jerry's website, jerryratcliffe.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ratcliffe, all one word. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone again who tuned in. And as always, thank you to all of our sponsors, as you can see them listed just over my shoulders. Our next scheduled hall call is Wednesday, February 22nd, when we will talk to another 2023 inductee. Two time Olympic gold medalist Francina McCrory. So stay tuned for more updates on future Hall Calls by following the Hall of Fame on social media Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at VA Sports HOF. Once again, I am Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. The 2023 induction is just 81 days away. It sounds far, it's really not. So, whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we'll see you next time.